Welcome to the podcast, Be Happy, Healthy and Wealthy. And this evening, we've got Kevin right here with me. And uh, Kevin, are you able to obviously say a bit more about yourself so that my audience can get to know you better? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Um, currently, I train property investors to buy more property for investing, uh, but with less cash. So I've been doing that for the last 10 years on the back of being a property finance broker for 20 plus years and prior to that, a financial advisor for about 10 years um, and um, in, investing in property way back uh, starting in 1983. So, um, you know, that's that um, lifelong interest pretty much in personal development. Um, so I've been um, investigating that for 30 plus years. Um, so, yeah, um, there we are. Nice little succinct summary. Thank you so much for your um, quick introduction uh, so that my audience could get to know a bit more about you. Hmm, And as you know, I got to know you from the uh, Professional Speakers Academy. That's great. Prior to that, I already knew you from uh, your Facebook, from all your ads and all the events that you've been uh, conducting over the years. So you are a well-known guy, which I'm glad to have you on my podcast today and uh, as you know um i met you at the meeting Mm. and you mentioned something very interesting to me about your health and it kind of intrigued me uh to invite you onto my podcast because what you've said to me i felt that my audience should really get to learn about it rather than just leave it to chances but now once you get educated and you know about some of these important principles, people can actually organize and look after their own health better. Do you mind telling me a bit more about that part if you do not mind? Uh, I don't mind. Um, So um, um, I'm a trained NLP practitioner. Um, Been um, learning about NLP for now, what, 20 plus years. Um, so are you referring to the health experience that I had a few years ago? Yes, yeah. And uh, obviously, if you do not mind sharing, because oh. uh, I think what you've uh, overcame it is would be of uh, a lot of value to my audience. Okay. So April 2016, um, I had a bit of a curveball. Um, I got a diagnosis of cancer, um, specifically non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, stage three and unoperable. So that was a bit of a surprise to me because um, I wasn't feeling well. Um, I did subsequently find out I did have a couple of symptoms of that, but, you know, they were so random that you would never have um, thought, oh, better check, get those checked out. It was probably, that would probably be cancer. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't um, in my thought process at all. And um, the diagnosis came about by, um, a random blood test which showed some irregularities. Um, my GP suggested to get an ultrasound scan, and uh, which I had that. Um, that showed up some um, dark images, I was told, um, which led to a biopsy, which led to me sitting in um, the consulting room of my um, oncologist, Dr. Jalihau, um, where he disclosed to me that I uh, gave me the diagnosis that, um, you know, actually cancer have been um, growing in my body for some time, unbeknown to me. And um, as a result of a PET scan, uh, I saw exactly where it was. Um, And my lymph gland was, in a word, absolutely stuffed full of cancer. Um, It had spread to uh, not more than a blob, but a blob nonetheless in my spleen. And um, in um, a few lymph nodes um, going up to my brain, around my diaphragm area. So it was though it was the way it spread that had made it uh, inoperable. Um, Dr. Jelly Howard told me that um, radiotherapy wouldn't work. <clears throat> um, and I had two choices, really, do nothing and let nature take its course or, uh, or have some chemotherapy. So we chatted about the chemotherapy and he felt that there would be a um, particular cocktail that would, would be most likely to work. Um, I would need eight um, doses of it um, at roughly um, 18 to 21 day intervals. 
um, and um, it would be a five or six dura hours duration each time. So I guess I have to say, um, you know, when I had an ultrasound scan and when I had a, went for a biopsy, you know, I suspected there could be something going on. But I took solace from the phrase that I was familiar with, which is, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday and everything's fine. In other words, I'll worry about it when it's something real. I'm not going to worry about what might not be. So um, I didn't get myself into a state or a panic or or get stressed about um, this biopsy and my and my upcoming meeting with a um, uh, oncologist. So I think you know my thought was I'll deal with it when I've got something to deal with, and when I had something to deal with, then I draw my experience of working with NLP for a number of years to say, right, okay, <clears throat> now the mental state with which I approach this is going to be fundamental to the result I get. So I um, focused on three NLP techniques that I've used in other areas of my life. So that was uh, cognitive reframing, affirmations and visualizations um, and uh, brought those to bear and made it Made, made it a much more palatable, uh, palatable experience than it might otherwise been. Um, so, in other words, um, preparing my mind for the experience, and I notice I'm using picking my words very carefully there. Um, I'm talking about an experience. So uh, I, uh, I like to say that I experience cancer. You know, I don't want to put any other connotation on it, um, certainly not a negative one. Um, because I think the unconscious mind picks up on negative phraseology. Mm. Yeah. Now, one thing that I find challenging is when, uh, so there's two words, there's two labels that people hang on, uh, choose to hang on people that have had a cancer experience. If they're going through it, they call them a cancer sufferer, and if they somehow got got out the other end of it, they call them a cancer survivor. Mm. Now, both words with heavy negative connotations. Mm. Yeah? yeah. So, um, cancer sufferer won't that sound very pleasant at all, is it? No. You know, you got to be suffering. Um, so, um, I refuse to let, let that word be spoken around me. And if one did say it. I pull them up, correct them, and say, excuse me, I might be experiencing cancer, I'm not suffering. Mm. So, and for me, a far more empowering label for me having come out the other side of cancer is not a survivor, um, it's a conqueror. Yes, yes, yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah. They're only words, but they're words that play on your unconscious mind um, and, you know, I don't want my unconscious mind being infected with negativity. Yes, yes. So um, so I didn't survive cancer. I conquered it. Yes, definitely. That's I completely agree with you with that. And uh, I completely agree with you with the NLP technique that you use. Yeah. I think this is such an important uh, education, isn't it? A lot of people do not understand that the subconscious mind get fed by our words and they take into it that meaning that we give. Yeah. Mm, and uh, what would you say that help you to overcome and empower you in this journey? So using those three things, um, um, cognitive reframing, affirmations and visualizations. So cognitive reframing is, you know, um, the NLP phrase for it is um, um, the map is not the territory. So in other words, we don't see the world as it, as it is. We see the world through the prism of our beliefs. So reframing means that um, having the uh, freedom to, to make your own meaning for some external event. Now, um, a disempowering thing to do when being diagnosed with cancer would be to um, go into a tailspin of negativity. 
easily done, of course, but not helpful. Um, and I knew that that would be a, um, a mistake that I, I I would do well to avoid. So the challenge for me there was to come up with a, uh, a reason to be grateful for being diagnosed with cancer. Okay. Uh, so, um, so look, you know, there's a, this thought process exists because th there's a very known, well-known saying, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, you know, put another way, within ev every negativity is the seed of positivity. Mm. Yeah. So I knew that I just needed to find something to feel positive about you know, some something that I would gain from this experience. I didn't have a choice. You know, I could have jumped on a plane, but hey, the cancer's inside me, so um, it would come with me. That so that would be pointless. Um, so I couldn't run away from it. Got to deal with it. Um, yes. So um, yeah. So within a few hours of being diagnosed and contemplating this, I actually decided that this would be, um, or it could be, actually a wonderful opportunity because. I was being given an op uh, an opportunity to experiment on how I can use my mind to control what went on in my body. Wow, that is amazing, isn't it? So um, it was a deliberate process of saying, "What could be? What could I get from this that would be useful?" Mm. And it took me a few hours to decide. Well, look, you know, I've got to deal with it. I've got a choice, um, but using my years of experience of NLP, personal development, and all this other stuff, how could I use those skills that I'd got mm. to achieve a different result than, than maybe would be expected? So I sorry. Yeah, I completely agree with you because uh, I'm also somebody who, you know, listen to a lot of self-development yeah. and I follow people like uh, Robin Banks, John yeah. Kehoe, and also uh, Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Yeah. yeah. So as you know, our mind create everything around us. Yeah. And uh, the way you put that positive spin to it, actually, it's a lot better when you're going through it. Mm. It's actually improve your, you know, your experience rather than because just like what you've said, you have to go through it. And actually, quite often, it will probably going to give you a better outcome. Yeah. Well, I think it's... Um... You know, uh, it, it, it's clear that um, people that um, um, think positive think positively about a situation. Um, you know, <laughs> everyone knows the saying. You know, um, glass half full or glass half glass half full or glass half empty. It's the same thing, mm. but it's how you look at it. So um, you know, th things look look better if you can look at them in a positive light and. Um, so with that reframe mm. of the diagnosis, then, you know, it didn't seem so bad and I had something to look forward to. You know, I was looking forward to engaging um, in using the mental techniques that I already knew how to do. Wow. Um, so there we are. Um, so that's the thing. The second thing was an affirmation. Now, I understand that the um, unconscious mind is not a logical uh, but it's a kinesthetic um, um, being. It, you know, it feeds uh, on the uh, energy it receives unquestioningly and just um, deals with it and is influenced by that. So, you know, um, negative self-talk would have, you know, and asking myself doubts and questions and all that type of thing would, again, been understandable but not productive. In fact, it would be counterproductive. So um, now one of the things I decided to do was to go out on my Facebook feed predominantly um, at the time and um, put out a post to, so that people knew my situation. Other people, and I understand completely why they would do it, want to keep it very quiet, don't want to tell anyone else their, um, the, the, their situation. Mm. Um, but I chose not to do that Um and uh, I put out a post. I'll summarise it, um, you know, um, in this way, a very succinct, shortened version. Hey, guys, guess what? Got cancer. Don't worry, I'm dealing with it. Wow. You know? Now, the benefit to that was um, over the 
the coming weeks and months a tsunami of well-wishers, mm. phone calls, texts, emails, messages. Kevin, how are you? So I deliberately thought of a phrase that would send the right message as I wanted that I wanted my unconscious mind to get. So now bearing in mind, I hadn't felt felt ill all the way through this. Mm. Um, I didn't feel ill pre-diagnosis. I didn't feel ill post-diagnosis. So, you know, I felt pretty okay in myself. Um, You know, I certainly wasn't in pain. I didn't have any discomfort. So, um, again, working through my knowledge um, of affirmations using NLP, I came up with a statement that I would use every time someone asked after my health. Mm. And the statement was, I feel perfectly healthy today. I'm going to feel perfectly healthy for the next three months. I couldn't foresee that. But I could state how I felt on the day I was being asked. And um, now, if I'm getting asked for it five or six times a day and I'm responding the same way, I won't. Very kind of you to ask. Thank you. I actually feel perfectly healthy today. I knew that that message was being sent to my unconscious mind multiple times a day. And to all your cells. And to, yeah, and to all my cells. To tell them I'm well. Yeah. Um, I've, I feel perfectly healthy today. Yeah. Yes, that is so powerful. Okay. Um, so, you know, th- th- this was a deliberate process, a deliberate process to influence the proceedings, um, thought through, um, analysed, and then executed. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we've we've looked at um, um, reframing. Reframing. We've looked at affirmation, affirmation. and the third mental technique is visualizations. Mm. Now we all have the power to visualize. We do it retrospectively, and we we do it when we're we're thinking forward. You know. Um, now the, the danger and the simple thing to do when we're out of our comfort zone, and you know, let's face it, I wasn't actually in my comfort zone. Um, having to deal with something I've never dealt with before, um, you know, a potentially fatal disease. Um, so um, when, we're in, in our, when we're out of our comfort zone and we're feeling, you know, threatened, anxious or anything like that, we still visualise, but we tend to make disaster movies. Hmm. Um, you know, we visualise what happens if it all goes wrong. Not the sort of thing, again, you want to be putting into your unconscious mind. You don't want to be feeding it with that. So I created um, uh, some visualizations, some empowering visualizations uh, that um, I felt would serve me well. Um, and having created the visualization, you know, you could call it a video, you could call it a movie, you know, of you know, a few seconds, not, not certainly not minutes. Um, I would replay it constantly every day in my mind. Now, my mind would think back to that and I'd, and I'd replay that video. Now, it was a happy ending video and we all like happy endings, don't we? Yes, of course. Yeah. So it was a hat that they were happy ending videos. So, for example, I knew that um, before uh, I started the chemotherapy, um, I knew from what Dr. Jellyhow told me it was going to take um, five or six hours at a time. Um, so you'd be in a reclining chair, they would hook you up, put a cannula in somewhere in your in the back of your hand, um, and then all these drugs would be hung on a, um, a stand and you, the nurse would come through every 30 to 40 minutes and, and give you the next drug in the sequence. So I was, uh, you know, I've been um, pre-warned of that, so I was prepared for that. So... Um, I could, I'll just give you an, an inkling of the um, the movie that I created, the visualisation that I created on that. So now some of the people listening might uh, be old enough to remember when the first embryonic uh, computer games came out. Um, and for those that aren't who are listening, um, uh, you'll probably have seen them on YouTube, you know, some of these ones, you know. Now the very earliest one was a simple game of ping pong table tennis. Um, most people remember that, um, but it it when it created to actual games, 
Now, there was one where um, the central character was a, a yellow circular ball and it had um, a side-on face with a, um eye and then a mouth that opened and shut and you can manoeuvre it round um, the said ball. Now, you probably, you're nodding and smiling, so um, I'm guessing you've worked out it was Pac-Man. That's right. Yeah. So now, what was Pac-Man's function in life to go around eating things and getting prizes? Yeah. So my visualisation then was um, at a molecular level, these um, canisters of, of drugs that were being um, pumped into my body were millions of Pac-Man at a, at, a, at a cellular level. And, you know, they were on a search and destroy mission. Yeah. You know, that their, their mission um, was to find a cancer cell in my body and eat it. Wow. And thus get rid of it. Wow. So um, as they hooked me up, I started running that visualisation. And I'd run it multiple times um, over the next five or six hours. And it would be, I had the, the gift of... Um, knowing where it was in my body because of the PET scan. And I know the areas where it was. Mm. So in turn, I focused on them. And, you know, if you can imagine um, Pac-Man surrounding my um, uh, my uh, lymph gland like a shoal of piranha fish yes. and, absolute, and absolutely smothering it, um, and I visualised them eating the outer cells. And just that sort of um, pattern. And I visualised the um, the cancer cells gradually being consumed, eaten, um, and the cancer within the gland getting smaller and smaller oh. and smaller until there was none there. And then they all um, clustered around my spleen and they did the same process there. And then around the lymph glands, um, leading to my brain and did that so they they actually ate the cancer out of my body mm, yes wow that is so powerful did anyone anyone teach you or you just decided to do that just using what i'd learned from creative years. um now what people did do was they they um um uh, suggested certain videos on youtube that i could watch that um were um uh, linked to this some books i could read there's some very useful books um you know one of the um ones i read was um joe Dispenza. um it's uh, i am the placebo mm, mm. Um, now the placebo effect had, had fascinated me for years mm. um so you know every uh, you'll know this from <laughs> your, your profession but you know every drug that comes to market has to be tested um it gets to the point where it, it goes through all the other tests and it gets it's almost its final as i understand it its final thing before launch is it, it is it has to be tested on humans mm. and so the drug company would advertise correct me if i'm if i'm misunderstanding the process here but the drug um uh, company advertises for people that are experiencing whatever the drug is meant to uh, alleviate and they will um, be tested under laboratory conditions conditions with a double blind test in other mm -hmm. words a doctor in a white coat with a stethoscope um, would hand them pills or um, or li liquid or lotions or whatever the drug was and in a separate group um, a doc doctor equally clad with a white coat and a stethoscope around, around their neck would add them a substitute, um, a placebo, usually um, made out of um, sugar, chalk or um, right. some uh, other substance, but uh, resembling the original um, uh, drug. And then, of course, they had to, um, every test has to be uh, analysed and the percentage of um, uh, volunteers that improve are looked at with the people that got the drug and the people that didn't get the drug. And for the drug to be considered effective, 
it has to help outperform the placebo. Um, now, for me, the interesting bit there is is that the fact that they have to do that at all. So the placebo means that um, put someone in a believable situation and have someone tell them, here's, here's, the, here's the medicine, here's the drug that is going to alleviate the condition that you've been um, experiencing. Notice I'm, I'm deliberately not using the word suffering, um, the, um, experiencing, and the power of people's mind mm -hmm. convinces them that they're getting it. So in effect, their mind heals, heals their body. Yes. Because they had no drug. They just believed they had a drug. Mm. And they might now that that was immensely powerful to me. So so what it told me is the power of the mind can influence what goes on in the body. It's completely yeah, I completely agree with you because um there was also a study similar, but this time was an orthopedic uh surgery. Okay. So they actually I mean, there's so many studies they've done, but yes. this one in particular, I remember, again, like the placebo, they did uh, uh, two, two prongs. So one, they actually put the arthroscope, which is like the camera into the knee, and they actually pretend as if they're doing something, but they just put it in. They didn't do any treatment. And uh, another group, they had the treatment. And both of them, when they compare the results, there were no difference. There were no difference. Yeah. So actually, because of that, some of some of the arthroscopy has kind of kind of been scraped from the system, you know, because it goes to show that a lot of it we could actually heal ourselves. You yeah, know, ourselves, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the body is the body is programmed to regenerate. Yes. And the other thing about, just to add on, I that's why I was amazed when you said that you visualized that. I was like, oh my goodness, you did that. You know, in, in US, there was a children's hospital. They did that for cancer uh, patient. So there were two hospitals, again, similar to uh, uh, studies. So this is what I, obviously I, I read from um, um, somebody who was sharing about the power of the mind. So these are children who's got cancer and they're going through chemo. And they're in the ward going through chemo. And one hospital, so they are similar type of patient. So they kind of use a statistical system to randomize them. So it's, there's no bias. So one, they actually asked the kids in that ward to do a shooting game. Similar to you, you're talking about Pac-Man. Imagine themselves eating, you know, the Pac-Man eating up the cancer. In that, in that research, they were actually asking the children, imagine themselves as like a soldier. They're in a war, actually shooting, using shooting games to shoot the cancer cells. So they will, they will be like putting a, um, um, like a 3D system, yeah. a, a game, where they're playing game, playing shooting the cancer cells. Yeah. And uh, you know what? The study showed that the one where the kids were imagining shooting the cancer cells, killing all of them, victorious, you know, very successful. They've actually has got so much higher remission rate yeah. compared to the other side because of the power of visualization. Yeah. So yes. that's so amazing, you know, yeah. and I'm sure you've done such a great job, you know, that I tell you the cancer's definitely not coming back. Now, I did one other thing. The week before I started um, my uh, chemotherapy, I'd, I'd read and heard about some, you know, quite um, distressing side effects that, that um, chemotherapy has. And I didn't fancy having them. So I booked myself in with a, a master NLP practitioner and I explained the situation. I've been working with NLP for a number of years. I'm familiar with it. Um, I'm starting a round of chemotherapy um, next week. Now, um, I said to the to the master practitioner, I want you to tell my unconscious mind that it's I'm not having any of these debilitating side effects. Wow. This, um, I don't want to feel ill. I don't want to feel sick. I don't want to feel tired. I don't want to do any, I don't want any of that stuff. So can you just make sure 
my unconscious mind knows to program that stuff out. Wow. Wow, that is so amazing. And, and guess what? I didn't have any debilitating side effects. Yeah, because you were expecting not to get it. Yeah, I didn't expect, you know, because um, I thought my, my, I trusted my unconscious mind to be able to control and influence that if it had clear instruction. It had clear instruction and it delivered. Yes, you, you program it. I programmed it for the result that I want. I needed external help, I, you know, even though I'm a practitioner myself, sometimes you need external help. So what did she do, if you don't mind me asking? Sorry? What did you ask her to do? Like, what, what was the process? I, um, I asked him to, I just said, um, I don't want any debilitating side effects. I don't want to feel sick. I don't want to feel um, nauseous. I don't want to feel tired. Um, I want to um, effectively breeze through this and, um, and, and carry on as normal. So you were doing meditation or were, were you going into like hypnotherapy? Well. Yeah, I did all that as well. But this was just a um, uh, a session. Um, like hypnotherapy? Uh, yeah, pretty much like hypnotherapy. So, you know, I'd be put into deep trance um, by the practitioner and then suggestions were made to my unconscious mind. Okay. Yeah. While I was in trance. Um and I can remember the experience, but I couldn't tell you a word that was said. I remember the sounds of the words being spoken, but because my unconscious, my conscious mind was effectively disabled and he was talking directly to my unconscious mind, um, I don't have any recollection, but um, I got the result that I wanted. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not saying this to be boastful or anything else, but I work normally throughout the whole process. I didn't take a day off sick. Wow. I took half days to, to have five, six hours of chemotherapy. Mm. Um, but, and the reason I did that, well, quite simply, I didn't, I didn't feel ill. Wow. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Mm. I mean, even though you can't remember in the conscious mind, but actually your subconscious conscious mind remember all the instructions. Well, absolutely it does. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's just before that it has been instructed, you know. Yeah, so wow, yeah. that is so powerful. Yeah. Right, okay, isn't that amazing? You know, I I'm so glad you've told us all these secrets to obviously a, a great health, uh, and I'm sure my audience will really appreciate this. Now, yeah, I'm sure, and and obviously the the message about the happiness as well do you think that nlp has improved the way you look at things and how you reframe happiness yeah i mean um it's not specifically nlp but it but it, it's aligned to it is you know gratitude gratitude yeah. gratitude is a very is a very powerful thing and you know it's all too easy to focus on we, what we haven't got and not be grateful for for all that we have got you know, we can almost ignore what we've got um, in this, um, uh, you know, endless quest for um, for more consumer uh, consumerism, if you like. Mm. So it's about being, I think, internally rather than externally referenced. Yes, yes. You know, the the, the, the car I I drive, the the shoes I wear, the watch I wear. You know, all these things do not determine who I am. Yes, yes, of course. You know, so it's been uh, internally referenced and saying, you know, um, you know, uh, whatever attributes I got, that's not me. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm not valued or judged by the things that I own. Yes, by the external world, but by yeah. who you are yes. inside. Yeah, so my self-worth is not determined by, by external things. My self-worth self is determined by um, how I feel internally about myself and the, and the difference I'm making to other people's lives. Yes, of course. Would you say you're a happy person? Entirely. Great. Um, almost ecstatically. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm good. life is very fulfilling. And what about? Do you think that you're healthy now? Well, um, okay. You know, I'll be honest. I'm not the fittest person in the world. Um, you know, going down the gym doesn't really fire me with enthusiasm. Um, 
pounding the streets is um is uh uh something that just um fills me with boredom and um as far as golf's concerned i'm of the um mind that it's a good walk spoiled um <laughs> so um all those activities i don't really do much of that at all really so you know i'm not a health health fanatic um but i do try to eat sensibly um and moderate you know i think you know the phrase everything in moderation that's right yeah um you know i, I don't deprive myself of anything but i don't do it to excess either so um you know i think it's um it's about being grateful and content with what you have um whilst not excluding the opportunity of having more yes of course being open to having more but you know it's this you know deferred happiness you know i you know i can't be happy until i've got this This, or i can't be happy until i've achieved that Mm. you know um you know that mindset um you know when you get this or that and you think oh i've got it now but i'm still not happy yeah, um, it's often you, happen all the time. Because you've you've linked happiness with something that you've got to get to be happy. Mm. Whereas if you said, well, I'm happy now. Um, it's a choice. Yeah. Uh, I could be more happy in the future, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy now. Yes, yes, um, it's a choice. You know, so. Um, and, Lovely. You know, I think, look, you know, life is going to throw us curveballs. No one leads a blemish-free life. Yeah. It's impossible. There, there will be challenges. There will be tough times, financially, health-wise, um, whatever. Um, but it's, it's, um, you know, that phrase from Rocky, uh, one of the Rocky films, was really, I think, quite telling. Uh, when he said to his his son, "It's not how hard you get hit; it's how hard you get hit, and you can still meet, keep moving forward." Mm. Wow, wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, there we are. One, there, yeah, wonderful. Now, with regards to, obviously, the health, you mentioned to me as well that you've changed the way you eat as well. I have, yeah. That's something I've been uh, doing this year. Um, you know, I'm a, um, a long-time fan of um, Michael Mosley um, and his 5-2 diets and all those type of things. Um, but... <laughs> um, about a year ago, I bought his, um, um, I think it's his latest book. I'm not entirely up to date, but um, the Fast 800 Keto Diet. Mm, mm. Um, and there's some very simple philosophies in there. You know, one is about intermittent fasting. Mm. Um, and the, the, the aim, um, but not the requirement, is to not eat before midday. Yep. And not eat after 6 p.m. Yep. You know, and that doesn't mean you skip meals. It means you you um, squeeze the same meals into a six-hour time frame. Yep. Um, now, <clears throat> um, as I say, it's 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 an it's an an, an aim, not a requirement. So, now, for me, um, it's not always possible to go full 18 hours, but I try to go 14 hours. Yeah. Um, and um, which is I don't have breakfast before 10, but I don't have dinner in the evening um, or eat in the evening after eight. Yeah. Now, if that's, but again, that's flexible because, um, you know, if circumstances mean that I eat at 9 p.m., then I just eat an hour later the following day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Be flexible. So it's and flexible. it's not a rule. Um, you know, and as long as, you know, my minimum is I don't eat for 12 hours a day. Yeah. That's my minimum. Um, and I don't do it a few days a week. It's just what I do every day. Uh, look, I don't feel I'm missing out. I'm not depriving myself of anything. You know, I eat mm. what I want to eat. Um, although I'm careful what I eat, but that's a choice. But, you know, I eat what I want to eat in my eating slots. Yeah. So, um, so the premise of that is, you know, our body needs energy to function. Um, mm. And um it gets it from food naturally converts to energy um different foods convert at different rates but um but when that food is burnt and we're not replacing it with more food 
then the only place it goes is to the, our fat stores. It has to go to our fat stores to get on energy to run our body. That's right, yeah. So if you looked at it like a car, it's that, you know, when the tank is empty, you're on, you go on to reserve. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just happens that most of us have got a, a larger reserve <laughs> than the <main> tank. <laughs> yes, I completely agree with you because uh, it's it's actually some of the advice I do for to advise my patient about fatty liver. Yeah. So intermittent fasting is it's a good one to actually uh, reverse some of the fatty liver, and uh, I do that as well. And a lot of patients would be like saying to me. What breakfast isn't breakfast the most important meal? I said, no, that is actually an anecdotal phrase that was created by the breakfast company, I said. (laughs) Even if it is the most important meal, you get to choose what time you have it. That's right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Because if you're not hungry, what's the point of you eating? Yeah, and because I've been doing intermittent fasting myself as well, and yeah. I don't really eat breakfast because I don't feel hungry. And well, then I have to say, I never miss breakfast. Um, yeah, but, but but your breakfast could be you say it's midday. It, but, it, but I could I could have a bowl of cereal at midday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm in breakfast, <laughs> but the time is is of my own choosing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I meant is like early morning. So it's again dependent on somebody's, uh, you know, preference and what they want to do. So um, yeah, I I completely agree with you. Do you do you do keto as well? Um, I I do have spells. Um, I mean, a lot of my uh, well, probably about six months of my life, I'm around running events uh, in hotels um, and uh, and that. So it makes it more difficult to do that. But I tend to. Um, I still tend to uh, try and uh, eat as as uh, frugally as I can, shall we say, whilst mm. whilst um, you know not going hungry, not depriving myself, course, not yeah. feeling, not feeling that I'm not um, not in you know if I'm in a hotel with some with some students, you know I'm going to have a drink in the bar and I'm going to you know I'm of quite course, yeah. Now I drink alcohol. I mean I don't drink to excess, but I do drink alcohol. Um, in that situation, in that social situation, so it's not about um, you know shutting off or, or or depriving yourself of certain things. You know, um, you know. I, I mean, I pay attention to cor- portion size, and and I've learned to eat slowly so that the message from my stomach to my brain that I've had enough to eat, I give that time to get there. Mm. You know, because there's a there's a few minute lag on that. Yeah. Um, but on the on the six months of the year when I'm pretty much home based. Um, it's much easier. So I do have, um, um, I do um, try and keep to that uh, 800, eight to 900 calories a day um, when I'm doing that. Um, but I'll wow. do, I'll 800 do that. 800 calorie? Sorry? 800 calorie? Eight to 900, well, 800 to 1,000 really. That's not a lot, you know. No, it's not. But here's the other thing I've, I've learned is that um, we don't get hungry. We get hungry for energy. Uh, and the best energy is protein. Yeah. 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 So um, carbs converts to energy really quickly, but it burns off. Very fast, yeah. That's Very why fast. every four hours we go hungry. Yeah. So those, the normal way of like breakfast, uh, lunch and dinner, it's because the carb, every four hours, you're going to feel hungry. Mm. So that's why. So, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I've been pretty much carb-free since I got diagnosed with cancer and found out that um, because carbs turns to sugar and sugar is what um, cancer cancer cells feed on, yeah. um, I, 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 I have deprived my body of, of um, uh, processed sugar uh, to the best of my ability, not completely because it's almost impossible to do that. Yes. But I've minimised my sugar intake for, for now, what, six years? so um so my carb intake is low anyway um but i've just um uh put more protein into into the 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 food that i'm eating and particularly when i'm doing the the keto stuff um and you know you can be in in ketosis for um you know days on end um Mm. where effectively you're you're burning um fat fat um, um for most of that time um but you know that's a short burst you can't you can't exist on that um 
going going um you know forward but it, it's but for short bursts you know mm. between one and four weeks um um that could um help i've actually tried now now i've been used to diet um fasting for uh you know between 14 and 18 hours most days um oh, wow. i've um that's pretty much um a, a seven day a week routine mm. um but I've, I've just out of curiosity i've put some 24 hour fasts in as well 24 yeah just just go just have a just have a liquid mm. diet for 24 hours and look if you're doing it for you know 14 18 16 it's only another few hours Mm, that's right. Yeah. You know, now I wouldn't have done that to start with. I was probably about six months in before I, I, I was my curiosity to to try and do a twenty four hour fast. Um, mm. But um, yeah, it, you know, it's I haven't found it honestly difficult. If I'm honest. Yeah, because you're doing it in stages. Yeah, it's it's a gradual, you know, habits form. If you do something consistently for, I believe, twenty one days, yeah. your unconscious mind says, "Ah, oh, okay, this is how we do it now." Mm. okay that's um, your new habit yeah so you you've ingrained a new habit um mm. it was just that so these these little um step changes are put into place um and um yeah it's it's all it's all mind control that's you right. see it's it's all it's all managing your mind how it how it um so instead of um you see i've switched this around in my brain and that's another technique, um, NLP, te- te- NLP technique called swishing. Yeah. So that feeling of hungry, um, I've changed that from um, I need to eat to um, I'm burning my reserves. Great. Let's keep let's keep let's keep feeling like that. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So it's just it's called a swishing technique. You just you just. Move the two things around and switch the two meanings around yeah. until you end up with the meaning that's the opposite of the one that you should have. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Right. With regards to um, wealth then, yeah? Sure. So would you, I mean, as you know, there's uh, so many teaching out there about money mindset, money blogs, mm. how you actually view money. I'm sure you understand money is just energy, isn't it? So mm. how would you, you know, if, if let's say my audience, uh, they've kind of handled happiness, health, now they want to obviously gain more wealth, what would be your advice, your secrets to that? Well, you know, it's, it's the relationship with money. Now, you know, I mean, a lot, a lot of people are influenced by that saying money is the root of all evil. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's not, um, you know, uh, money is good or bad, depending on what you choose to do with it. That's right. You know, you, you could say, I'm going, I'm going to give away 50% of what I earn. Um, I've just used that as an arbitrary figure, but, um, and then you could say, well, you know, if I earn a hundred thousand, then that means I've got to give away 50 and live on the rest. But Hey, what if I earn a million, then I could give away 500,000 mm. instead of 50. And you keep 500. And you keep 500. Um, so, you know, so, you know, it's about, if you say, well, the more I earn, the more I can, the more good I can do with it. Yeah. The more people I can help with it. Well, you know, then it's not the root of all evil, is it? No. Nope. You know, it's all about, you know, what am I going to do with money? And I said, and the other thing is that, you know, at the end of the day, you can um, you can tell the time equally as well on a $30 watch as a $30,000 watch. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Those are <laughs> you know, they, they both work the same way. You know, they might not look quite the same, but they're both, you know, so, you know, why do you, why do you need to aspire to a $30,000 watch when a $30 watch will do just the same? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, but sometimes people buy watches for investment because once they buy, oh, well, okay. Now you know, I will, I will agree with you. You could, you could. There are watches you can buy as an investment. Yeah, that 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 that's um, you know, that may be true. But but certainly the relationship money we starts with the same. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, what do what do I need to be comfortable? Mm, that's right. Um, you know, anything else? Well. Um, let's look at things that I can do now, you know, a balanced, um, approach, um, in different, um, asset classes is normally advisable. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and if you're going to do stuff like, you know, crypto and Forex and all that type of thing, it should only be with what you can afford to lose. That's right. So if you lost a lot, it wouldn't affect your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like play money. If you yeah. afford the play money, so you just go put in there it, it, just in it, case. You want to do that. But, um, you know, I mean, um, there's a powerful case for making property part of that portfolio. Now, yes. If you, uh, once a year, the Sunday Times rich list is published. Mm. Um, the richest 100 people in the UK. Now, if you read through that list, you'll see the majority of them list property as their primary or secondary source of wealth. Mm. Now, if it's good enough for the richest people in the country, then it should be good enough for everyone else. Yeah. Um, clearly on a, on a more modest scale. Now, the other big difference in property is leverage. So property gives you a leverage that you cannot get with any other asset class. That's right. So let's just say you had £100,000 to invest. And if you bought £100,000 of shares and you took the advice of an independent financial advisor and he spread that amongst a range of stocks um, to spread the risk both geographically and um types of different types of funds and that type of thing. Now, the point is, if it made um, a 10% return, you made a 10% profit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you took the £100,000 and bought a property with it, the £100,000 would be a 25% deposit in normal terms. Yeah. So therefore, you get a 75% mortgage, which is 300000 so that hundred thousand would buy you a four hundred thousand property. That's right. Now, if that increased by ten percent, ten percent of four hundred is forty. That's right. So the same return, because of leverage of being able to borrow money um, and put uh, you know against a, a property and by means of a mortgage, allows you to um, leverage your return. So the same hundred thousand. Could make and a ten percent return could make ten thousand or forty thousand. Wonderful, yes, yeah. The way you make it really simple. So you know, but but these are facts. You know, um, it's very difficult. Um, I, I guess there may be some, you know, um, uh, shares expert there that could say you can probably leverage shares, but you know, it, it's it's not as immediately obvious how you can, but it's entirely obvious how you can get a mortgage. Yes, yes. To buy a property. You put 25% down and mortgage the rest. So, you know, there's no weird and wonderful or, or um, arcane solution to doing that. You just go and buy a property and get a mortgage on it. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, there are a number of nuances you can add to that. But in principle, um, I think, it, you know, any part of any wealth portfolio needs to have property. Now, of course, you can, you know, there's a myriad of ways that you can earn a rental income out of a property. Um, you know, in part, you know, you can decide that you actually don't want to be a residential landlord. You, you be a commercial landlord. Mm. So you just deal with business people. Um, you know, uh, or, or you can decide you want to rent out residential property in a variety of different ways, whether it's um, single letting, um, you know, just let to a family, um, multiple letting, you rent by the room on a, on a house of multiple occupation. Um or you do short-term letting. So, you know, you rent through Airbnb and the places for people mm. for their for their vacations, holidays, or, or or business use. So, you know, there's a whole different ways, um, a variety of um, derivatives of rental income that you could choose and just pick the one that sits most comfortably with you. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so, you know, property, I think should be in there somewhere if you're going to build a wealth portfolio of um, different asset classes. Um, you know, um, some people that are attuned, very attuned to property would do that to the exclusion of everything else. Some would have a balanced case and they, you know, they'd have some stock market. They might do a, a bit into foreign currency, foreign exchange, might do a bit into, you know, cryptocurrency, um, you know, but, um, you know, the thing to remember is unless it's, um authorized by the fca you know your investment isn't guaranteed mm. so you haven't got a guaranteed investment um 
in 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 property i mean you know you can lose money on shares as well but the point i mean is is if there's any financial mismanagement then both the insurance companies the fund managers and the um independent financial advisors they're all regulated controlled by the fca and, yeah. and your money is and you, you know you are guaranteed compensation if mm. if uh, mismanagement occurs um with anything outside of that um that isn't the case so mm. there's you know there there is a greater element of risk but you mitigate the risk by knowledge by getting knowledgeable learning about the investment you want to make understanding the asset class the best you can um you know knowledge mitigates risk yes yes so so, yeah. so what would be your i mean would you would you be willing to share what sort of asset allocation you've got or what would be your advice to people well um I, what i'm very clear is don't copy what i do okay yes <laughs> yeah, because i'm using my my own um Risk, pref- yeah. risk and preference profile that's right um that suits me so that's not a template for other people to go and copy it now i'm you know i'm heavyweight into property mm. um and, and lightweight in other stuff but that's that's me mm. you know um but um you know and i i tend not to trust what's ex- what it's is externally um um controlled in other words um you know i can't influence a share price of course yes of course yeah you can't i can't, I can't influence cryptocurrency so oh. you know um for those sort of things i'm a passive investor along for the ride yes long term um, yeah um and so you know i'm i'm a ship um that's reliant on nature to blow to to not blow a storm or to blow a storm and and I can navigate my way through the storm but I'm not in control of the storm and I'm not in control of the weather um so with things that I'm not in control of um um I I've just grown less comfortable over years in you know I played the stock market before sometimes it worked well sometimes it didn't but yeah yeah of no, course yeah crypto has dropped now you know uh, i've actually in again i said I mean, this is not a, this is not a blueprint or a template but for me personally i just want i just want assets that i can go and touch and feel and uh you know give it, give it a give it a tap and and it taps back um yes, yes. so um but yeah that's that's what i do so i'm lightweight in other stuff but heavyweight in property of course you're a property investor i'm a property guy yeah mm, so. you're a property guy so that's 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 my bias for better that's or... your your strategy for your wealth yeah but different people are different obviously absolutely yeah and as i said you know very i'm very strongly saying you know that's not a template yes yes to go and copy um yes no problem other people would want to be more even diversified spread, yeah diversified evenly spread than me and uh you know and they might like stuff that i don't like mm. um, lovely that, that's perfectly acceptable Right. Okay. And with regards to, you know, when when I make this phrase, be happy, healthy, and wealthy. So a lot of people was like, yeah, that's a very good combination. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you, do you think is there one of them that in particular is your priority, or would you would you say that? Oh yeah, this one come first. Yeah, definitely. Or would you say that? Yeah, it's all three together. No one is actually higher ranking. Because some people actually say, you know, health is wealth. You know, so what what do you think of these three? Happy, healthy, wealthy. Well, <laughs> I mean, clearly, all have a part to play. Yes, but poor health uh, mitigates and diminishes the other two. Yeah. Um, so you you're kind of a guy that says health is wealth. Yeah, I think so because you know. Health makes uh, good health um, makes life more bearable. Mm, that's right. You know, um, people that are living daily with pain, um, you know, my heart goes out to them because that that um, you know, that must be mentally corrosive, and you would need to be, you know, ha- have a whole different resilience um, if your life was about pain on a daily basis. Yes. Yes. Um, that's right. So. Um, you know and i think that um you know th- that would challenge the other two areas mm. 
No, so uh, you know, I definitely think it's a triangle mm. with um, health at the top of the triangle, and the other two of equal importance below health. Yes, yes. Um, you know, it's um, not so, easy. Yeah, there we are. Yep, yeah, I completely agree with you because I'm into health. You know, because if you don't have health, you can't do the other two parts. No, and, you know? and, and, and you know, that doesn't necessarily mean being fanatical about it but just observant of it. Yes, yes, as an important part, yeah. And look, making sure. I mean, the other thing is, um, there's so many philosophy out there about disease, which is disease, isn't it? Yes, yeah? Right. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, some of the people, when they talk about happiness, uh, as you know, there's a conditional psychosomatic where they are not happy with themselves, there are some psychological issues, and that manifested as somatic, which yeah. means they're in pain, uh, they create diseases, they become the body become disease, which yes, is disease, yeah. And again, yeah, there's so many, I mean, there's so many things out there we can debate. So it's lovely to get your take on that. Right, okay. I think we're almost at the end of our interview because you've really covered a lot of beautiful gems that uh, you know the audience really can learn and obviously uh, uh, ruminate, chew on them, just decide, is this for me? Is this not? And obviously just research and do, uh, you know, do a bit of reading and digging and decide what they want to do because obviously everyone is different. And they have their own path and they just need to decide, is this my blueprint? Is this what I want to do? Is this good for my habits? And uh, yeah, it's just a decision they want to do. And uh, with regards to um, now with everything that you've got, you know, uh, what would you say is your future? What's your plan for your future? Just continue well, with what you're doing or? I think, um, yeah, I mean, really, I... Um... I intervene in people's, um, in terms of property investors, uh, I, um, I intervene with their um, uh, invitation. Mm. Uh, I intervene in their frustration and show them ways to um, buy more property with less cash. Yes, yes, yeah. lovely. Um, so, um, you know, I see that as my calling. Mm now um so you know i can pass on my years of experience both as you know as a property investor but also um as 20 plus years as a finance broker um mm. you know and understanding how to finance deals um is the key to actually playing a bigger game and you know i teach my um my students and my mentees that they can play a far bigger game in property with their current resources mm. um so you know they can they can go faster and bigger and higher um and you know be on an upward trajectory and you know um, lighting fires under under people and then watching them run with it and seeing the results um and you know i've got a community that that um you know we meet up currently about three times a year just oh. to just to compare progress, wow, and and, t and tell tell each other stories of, su of success. You know, we had it about about um, what earlier this month actually. Um, you know, the, uh, beginning of October, we'd be meeting again, beginning of February, and then we meet again in June. Wow, so we have a you know, it's um, and you get um, you know, um, I mean, hundreds of people could come um, in my community that I've trained over the years, but you tend to get you know, 50 to 100 um, turn up. And it'll be different people at different times because, you know, other things crop up on certain days. Mm. So, and we just have a um, a great day chatting about the stuff we're doing. Lovely. So, Kevin, so if my audience would like to follow what you're doing and get to know you, uh, where should they go? What would be well, the best website, social media? Well, a good place to start is probably my YouTube channel. Yeah, which is um, uh, just jump on YouTube and type Kevin Wright property in, and it'll come up. Yeah. Um, so I do um, uh, a weekly video release about some property finance related project and 
people seem to like the fact that they're typically no more than 10 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and it, so it's easy to devote a bit of time. Yeah. And say, oh, I'll watch this one. It's seven minutes long. Yeah, I've got seven minutes like that. So they're mostly they're under 10 minutes. Um, and, you know, every Monday morning on uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, some Facebook groups, um, I'll do um, a, a live Q&A. Mm. So um, people can just jump on that, ask a question about something about property or property finance. Yep. And I answer it live and then it remains up on those things. So you can, you know, cause, I mean, often uh, people have got other things to do at 8.30 on a Monday morning. So, um, you know, they can go and watch, watch the replay and uh, people find that quite, quite useful. Um, you know, so uh, now my contact details, should people want to contact me, um, they're all on YouTube. You just go on the um, about page and, you know, there's a phone number, email address and that sort of thing. So, you know, I can I can direct to websites, but probably the most useful resource is the YouTube. Um, is is just YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are, there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of videos that I've put out over the last um, three years. Um, yeah. Yeah. And hey, if you like it, subscribe. Yes. Yes. Of course. Yes, and we, that's what we always say, isn't it? Subscribe. Right. Okay, Kevin, thank you so much again for coming on and, you know, spend this hour uh, and plus actually uh, with uh, my audience, obviously um, mentioning about telling us how you've managed your health journey, your wealth journey and your happiness journey. Mm. And thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute and pleasure. I'm much. hoping that there'll be more people who'll be following you and uh, get to know your property strategy, how to gain more wealth and leave a legacy for their family. Yeah. Well, that would be nice. If they, yes. If they feel they want to do that, that would be very nice. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. And uh, um, so so um, I'm just going to obviously uh, end this video fairly soon. And obviously, um, please subscribe and for more technique and knowledge on how to improve your happiness health and wealth please follow and subscribe thank you so much kevin and uh, i'll keep in touch with you again with regards with more of your property journey sure no worries thank you kevin bye-bye